0: Hey everybody, it's Ken Peach Van Zruten here, along with Chris Raybold. What's going on, folks? There he is—the man, the myth, the legend. Um, <laughs> we are uh, up to episode twenty, um, and uh, we were just talking before we started recording about how. Um we feel like we haven't done kind of a technical one in a while. Um so I thought maybe this episode we talk a little bit about um vocal processing effects. I don't know. How do you, uh, anywhere you want to go with it, but you know everyone is always talking about how to get the ultimate vocal sound and what are the tools that are um that you use to to get that um I, I think that what I do is way more simpler than what people think that I do. <laughs> um, I, I think
1: that's your, Emma, for people that don't know, and we've touched on it here. I think a lot of people, if they saw your session, which I guess now people are seeing your session, yeah, you don't do a lot of, like, s- crazy, s- stupid, insane stuff.
0: I don't, you know? and you know what it's it's about? For me, um, I think the secret to my success in general is about balance. Mm-hmm. Um You know, it's funny. um, uh, Shout out to a friend of mine. His name's Ken Lewis, and he has an audio online. I think it's called audioschoolonline.com, but he is a a world-renowned recording engineer. We went to Berkeley together. Um, He has uh, 56 Grammy nominations and like six wins. Um, and, uh, you know, credits on 125 Golden Platinum Records. Um, he is an amazing engineer, um, and he, during this COVID time, has started stuff like we have, um, and uh, his YouTube channel is called Mixing Night. Um, go go check it out. Uh, every Wednesday night, he does about a two-hour live stream. Um, but he is uh, very similar to me in... Like the things that are important um, are are way more simple things, you know, like balance. And he does this um, he does this thing at the end of his live stream, where uh, for ten minutes he takes stems um, that have been randomly mixed up by his assistant volume wise the actual sounds of them are are there so the ste- they their stems of you know a 200 track thing um but he, down to you know 30 faders worth of stems um but then the assistant comes in and randomly changes the volume and he spends 10 minutes just on balance
1: oh that's fun
0: getting the stems lined up and how, you know, um, and how you, you make that sound good. And what he's trying to teach, he he'll even say this, and so what he's trying to teach is instinct about balance, right? Um, which I think is a, is a hard thing to teach, right? That is something that you only through lots of, um, Experience. Are you going to get to a point where you have an internal kind of instinct about where balance is? um So anyway, I went down this balance rabbit hole because it's way more important to me than what the latest plugin is on a particular input. Um, and th- and that's just so you guys have a, a knowledge of of the way kind of how my brain works. It's my my first go to is not to put the latest plugin on something right. Um, and I know you are very similar in that way, um, but you—I think your workflow is different than mine. You do a lot, a couple of more tricky things than I do. <laughs>
1: Whatever that means. I don't, yeah, and I don't really nowadays, particularly during COVID era. Now that we're we're all watching each other share what we do, right? Uh, now I'm like, God, am I a dinosaur? Like I'm looking at some of these things that some people do, and then I t- take a moment to think, and I'm like, you know what? No, I think I'm in pretty good shape right where I am. I think I'll just stick with my tricks. And and to your point, sorry, real quick, to your point, um, I'm getting ready to, when we talk about vocals, I'm getting ready to mention a lot of effects that I build into my session. If anything, I am the first person to, if you told me I couldn't have any effects at all, I would be so okay. I am way more into dynamic processing, harmonic processing. 100%. Man, I mean, I do, I'm going to mention a lot of things that I build into my session. What I often use is a few of those. And a lot of times, none of them at all. I just like to have them there, you know?
0: Yeah, I always, you know, we do these things and we're trying to help you to understand maybe how our workflows are so it can help you to improve um, or give you a different perspective on, on how to do things. So we we speak. In terms, uh, a lot of numbers, and you know, I put this much amount of this and and whatever. But ultimately, like the way that my brain works is very much about the music and the feel and how it should, um, how it should come across to the audience. Like I am not, you know, all these guys that are doing all these tips and tricks and you know, putting stuff through parallel buses and da 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 da, are to me are thinking about that and not thinking about how I can make this sound better for the, the, the result. Right. And I, and I think that it takes, if your brain is locked up into this whole, you know, I need to use this with parallel compression and I, this uses this particular reverb device um then you're you're not doing the music the justice. So I I do feel like it's same as you that sometimes we are uh, l- uh, feel a little bit like dinosaurs like oh shit should I be doing that? You know, I don't know. Um but the the thing is is that our result ends up being better because of what we're concentrated on. Does that make sense?
1: It does. I actually was texting with a buddy right before we got on here and uh I went on yet another one of my kind of rants about we were talking about system engineering system tuning stuff and i went on yet again i've mentioned on here numerous times the whole thing where the it component is so heavy that the critical listening thing is now like the last little bit of it and that drives me insane uh and i'm seeing the same thing in, mi- in mixing whereas there's like this arms race to have the most amount of gear, the most amount of plugins, to do the craziest amount of routing. To, I mean, I'm watching it take place every day. I know. Again, and this thing is, we're all like looking at each other and what are they? Even if you're not trying, you're learning what other people are doing. There's like this race to use the most shit. And I guess there's always been. It's just now we've never had access to as much as we do. And at first, I'll see it and I'll be like, oh, that's amazing. And I'm like, no, there's just a lot of words. <laughs> and that- all technical jargon none of that i have no idea what their end result is you know no that's true
0: that's true now that's not to say that some of the newest latest technology is is cool and you know it's not that both chris and i do adapt new things you know i mean um in my i know uh in a previous uh um video we were talking like about ozone right you know it's a it's like voodoo black magic plug-in, um, that I use quite a bit, you know, in my, in my mixing here on, in my, in the box pro tools rig. Um, so it's not like we don't adapt to the newest, latest technologies of things. It's just that I find, and I know Chris believes this true, uh, too, um, the, the simplest way is often the best way. Right. Um, and so, um, having said all that, let's kind of circle back around to the vocal thing. Um, yep. And um, I, start us off. What if, what are you, uh, what are you using on your vocals? What do you do with them? What's your philosophy? Blah, blah,
1: blah. What do you got? <laughs> here goes the blah, blah, blah. Well, we already, we did one on kind of our vocal chain. Yeah. If, so we're kind of moving into the processing, into the effects. So uh, like you mentioned, some of what we talk about here sometimes is, not complex, but maybe a lot in very specific and a lot of the ways, like how I'm going to build a show file, a lot of it is done. So I have all of these options for myself and it's not only to have the options because my experience tells me I might need those options. It's because I don't want to have to restructure my show file six months into the tour and have to change the layout and restructure and give me yet another reason to have a heart attack. Cause I've changed everything. In other words, I'd rather just build it once. Yes. Even if it's not, not overkill, but even if it's like maybe more full featured than I need, and then I never have to worry about it again. So, um, the way that, that I start, let's just go ahead and start talking nuts and bolts, so to speak. Yep. I'll often build with, uh, respect to, and I'm like you and like everybody else, I try to lay my shit out the same way every time. In other words, that vocal fader That like I don't think there's anything revolutionary, is often in the first slot to the right of the center section. At least that's where I always put it. Um, It doesn't matter where it is, but we all probably put our lead vocal in the same spot. Often what I'll do as far as what effects, I'm just going to hit them real quick. I will often build into my session uh, two reverbs. My logic is a quick one, a room one, a make it louder kind of thing. My second one is more of the tail reverb. Now, one thing I should say before we get going, uh, all of this is built for the best scenario possible. In other words, a vocalist that's on the mic, that's giving me lots of level, that's not super affected by the PA. So this is all what I build. Again, what I use might be far different. So I build, I typically have those two reverbs. I will then typically have two to three delays One is a dedicated... I just reserve the right to kind of figure out what it's going to be. It's either going to be like a tape slap, you know, kind of thing. It might be super quick, like within 100 milliseconds, or it might be a more traditional 180, 120 millisecond kind of thing. The second is often a tempo-based, some sort of quicker, maybe either a quarter, eighth note delay, sometimes ping-pongy. And the third is always for the throws. Um, I will then also build a pitch it's usually verb pitch and then all the delays once in the blue moon i'll add another one on there um and then for the i like for the vocal i like for the lead vocal to have its own set of effects the background you know what i mean yeah so then the backgrounds often have not a lot it's usually there's rarely a delay assigned to them it's usually just verb and maybe like a pitch shift kind of thing now here's the honest to god truth Oftentimes, how I decide what I'm going to use is based on the layout, the ergonomic layout, because I want them all on the same layer. I hate when I have that one that's hanging out somewhere (laughs) else. And I know that sounds picky, but I just want to be able to see them. Of course. So in a nutshell, that's kind of my default. Let me make sure that's right. Yeah, two reverb. In your
0: um, uh, first layer, let's say, where your lead vocal is in your right hand first fader, do you uh-huh. then put your effects following that fader, or are they on another layer?
1: No, the way I do it ideally is first fader is vocal. Second fader, now, it'll, it'll often look like this. If it's, a, if it's just a singer, and there's no, let's be honest, it's 2020, if there's no like super critical track vocal, it's just a singer, it goes vocal, if it is, if there's also a duplicate lead vocal that gets used, it's live vocal, and then it's that vocal next to it. Yep. After that, I put the send. I put the send often, not always, but often, I put the send to the throw delay there. Then after that, I have the return to that throw delay. Then I have the shorter delays next to it. Then I have the verbs Then I have the, or I always have it so it goes in order of the send too. I'm kind of anal about that, but that's how it looks. So it's vocal or vocal, vocal, uh, send. So I can hit specific words if I want to, then, then the return. So all that stuff that's active is right there. Then it comes all of his or her effects, then the backgrounds and then the background group, and then their effects, so that's usually within the consoles that I use, that's 12 faders. Yep. So sometimes it will creep into the other one. What does yours look like?
0: Uh, mine looks just like that. Uh, the only thing that I don't do, which I, I think is interesting that you do. and uh, um, oh, I put,
1: I, Sorry, real quick, I put if there's track, which there often is, if there's track background vocals, I put the Pro Tools back, I put those on that layer too. Yes. So all, all the vocals are visually in front of me.
0: Yes. Um, And mainly for me, I almost never touch the return of effects um i i am a sending effects guy um so definitely any sort of delays or whatever are when i'm turning them on and off it's not they're on all the time and i'm bringing up the return that is never how i operate i always operate with the return of the delay is up at all times i'm deciding what i'm sending to it um And that is also true of reverbs and stuff in general. I may turn them down a little bit versus a, 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 um, you know, a a big um, ballady kind of a song versus a, a main song. I'll make decisions about how much of that. But oftentimes that is also based on the send, um you know how much is being sent there is part of the snapshot rather than the return so the reason that i put my effects on that same layer is because i want to see that they're working and right. i want to see their their uh, metering um and uh that when i send something to it i can see it return back at me and so that you know um uh, so you know, honestly, the main reason that the, they're there is so I could grab, like if I had to grab some sort of EQ thing or metering, it's maybe not even so much that the faders are in front of me. Um, the send thing that you do is really cool. I don't do that. I probably should. Um, I do all of my sending from rotary knobs, kind Here of for- old old school analog. Yeah. Um, old school analog is how my brain works. And I know that you can now make it a fader and it can sit there and you can make anything you want on a digital console. But for some reason in my brain, it makes the most sense to have rotary knob and have the send of that rotary knob. So um, on a Digico, for instance, um, you know how you can page through stuff. So on an SD7, there's three options of that and often two out of those three are not pageable they're um stuck in being the delay sends or you know whatever um and those are changeable per layer so um sometimes you know i'm also the guy that um as far as money channels go like if it is the main vocal um i don't know you know uh if there's any sort of play playback or background vocal or whatever, those for me are copied on the same fader in every layer on that side. So if that first fader on my right-hand side in any, this is any console, not just Digico, um, if that first fader is the lead vocal, it is the lead vocal in every layer underneath it because if I'm overworking on something in another layer, and there needs to be a, uh, a delay send or whatever, it's always in front of me. I'm always able to grab that AUG send quickly um, to do any sort of delay stuff. Um, so. that
1: We were showing our sessions recently. I noticed that you did that. And I and it reminded me when I saw it, talking about leaving the vocal on every single one, and it reminded me that I used to do that, which was kind of a holdover from uh, the Avid where you could bank-safe that channel, which was nice. And then for some reason, I just moved away from it. And I don't know, the right side of my desk is usually vocals up top, then I will have like an effects layer, even though I have those effects usually living with whatever they're specific to. Yep. And then like, I can think with Bruno, there's like horns over there too. And then it's like miscellaneous recording of all that. So I kind of don't ever leave the vocal.
0: I understand. Parts. I don't generally either, but I always, it's, it's kind of a, um, a security blanket. Like I feel like I, even if I got in a weird situation where all of a sudden I was banked into bank six, for some reason, I would still be able to grab that effect. Now what I do do the re kind of the reason that I was, I forgot the reason that I was traveling down that rabbit hole was sometimes I will take that same fader and assign different aug sends to different layers so if i for instance if i had four delays the top layer of that fader might be the aug send um of the first delay and the second delay and then the second layer has the third delay and the reverb locked in on those rotary knobs so i can access those quickly without having to page through rotary knob stuff as well so that's that's another reason that i put that same vocal fader i assigned to the same place everywhere um so yeah that's kind of
1: my thing i get it i don't especially with my lead vocal actually rarely no i'll say it never with my vocals uh do i automate the sends in any way i usually have them always at zero, Oh, that's interesting i only do the returns see i'm and exactly the opposite really yep. I, I guess i do it that way because in my mind not if i like want to make and we went into this and i think in the sort of the one of our earlier vocal ones but um as far as what's subject to automation and what's not right like the return of the delay throw the return is always saved in other words i want it to start every song you know whatever So it's pretty common uh Oftentimes, it, but on it to be honest with you, by the time it's all said and done, sometimes none of my vocals returns or sins are automated. But my, my logic is if they are, or if there's one I move a lot, I only want to move it once. Like I don't want to have to do it in every snapshot. So I think that's why I do it that way. Um, yeah, I really pretty much just park my sins. But um,
0: so so your. Uh, send to a delay, for instance, the return is at zero all the time, and the the send to it is sitting there, parked, but able to be triggered by an on button, right? Is that what well, you do with
1: uh, it? Th- going back, so like for the throw one, the send is always at zero. The master, the aux out, is muted. Interesting. Uh, the return is always, ne- is never... This is for the big one, the money one, you know, it's never automated uh, at all. It always is. And it sits at zero. So what I'm hitting when I say I hit that, I do it. It's the master. The master
0: of the AugScent. Yeah, got it.
1: It just, you know. Um, and sometimes I can get away and I know lots of guys who like, they only ride the return on the delay. And that is, that can be the sh- fucking shittiest sound ever when you've got all those other that sound. And I had it too. And then I've got friends that do it and they do it really well. And I, I used to do it with Beyonce. It was, it's like delays are like super critical and they all go back to her and you're, you know, um, I would do it sometimes. And I got to where I was pretty good at it, and I kind of have some songs where I will just do the whole return, but by and large, usually if I want a really pro sound, you know, I'm, I'm hitting words, you know, stuff like that.
0: It's, I mean, it's, it's, listen, it's an interesting conversation. I've had lots of people ask me this, you know, and, and, um, I just don't, I don't like the sound of a, a, an input going to a delay all the time. And then you bringing up the return of that sounds very different than triggering the send to it and only delaying what you want delayed from it. Um,
1: If you guys are wondering, a lot of people are shaking their heads going, yeah, no shit. But the the people that are saying, well, why? It's because you've got all that trash going to it. So even if you can nail the, if you have any repeats at all, you might nail the one word. You might be in time. But then after that word is the whole phrase repeating to get your repeats. You know, if anybody's kind of wondering what we're talking about and that's just a cluttery clunky totally. that's just not sound and
0: know? and not only that is when you bring up the return of the particular word that you want let's say it still has the tail end of stuff from before it that's right. cluttering all the bottom of that so
1: and um, then you're also left with having to make sure that you're holding it for the number of repeat it's just not it's just easier to hit the word come yeah. out you know it's um and as
0: and and also it allows you to um like i automate my feedback a lot in yes. delays um yes. so if you if you were operating the other way where you were operating just turning up the returns uh, you would have to kind of have the same amount of feedback all the time and then you are deciding how many of those repeats um, whereas I in a snapshot, I can recall it. It goes to the right amount of feedback where it, it decays the right amount of times, um, and I, all I have to do is just send it, send the right couple of phrases or whatever at it, and it it works well.
1: When I when um, I first started using that technique when I was younger, I, sometimes I would get thrown off because I would open the delay for the word. And then i would sit there and i would be like listening for the repeats and then i'd you've got to train yourself to not do uh, let trust it to do its job you just open it and get it out of the way you know uh it's just safe
0: it's a skill and it's you know it's also anticipation too um
1: in different consoles they're mute speed so to speak you got to know when it clips the word and when it doesn't and when to get out yep yeah,
0: um, it's definitely a, a skill that you should experiment with and, and try to get good at, um, because especially in this day and age, we run into clients where, you know, same thing like you were talking about, Beyonce. Um, Linkin Park was the same way. They wanted all the returns of all the delays um, because he would actually play off of it. Chester would, um, you know, he would whatever, you know, sing a long section that would play off of the delay. Um, so all of that was going back to ears. So every artist on stage is hearing your work.
1: <laughs> so you gotta, I'm like, man, if I want to do that, I'd be a moderator. <laughs> <Yeah>, exactly. <laughs> kind of the, there's the wonderful anonymity of being out front. And we've talked <laughs> about the, the positive feedback they get from their friends and management. I'm like, yeah. why don't I just be the thing of lore? So <laughs> gonna, you know, I'd rather be that. But what a great feeling when you an when artist either through the ears or the wedges or even better feeling like through the house when they hear what you're doing. When and play prepared. with it. Yeah. And that is so much fun. Yeah, that is that um, is so much. Fun. Um, what about specifics? Let's give them. I, I know people dig this stuff, and I like it too, man. I look at some of my favorite engineers. I like to look at what they're what they're using. Let's give them some of the. <laughs> what, what are you using? What are your what are your what are your plugins or outboard units or what are you what are you using?
0: So, um, reverb's are bracasty for me right mm-hmm. now, um, although. I am actually a big fan of some old school reverbs I really like uh, the lexicon 480 I think that even in this day and age the sound of it um, is really a great sounding reverb um, some of the TC stuff like the 6000 series is uh there's some great uh reverbs in that as well um but in general oh also even like like for drums I like a PCM 70 still I mean yeah. It's a a great sounding unit. Um, But um, in general, these days, I'm using Bercastis when I can. Um, I own three of them. Um, And generally, for every artist that I work with, um, one of those Bercastis is their main vocal reverb. Um, And then the other two often end up on drums. Um, but sometimes one of them will be drums and the other one will, uh, be another kind of vocally thing. Um, so that's precasti. If you don't know anything about precastis, um, they are, they're kind of like the, uh, Porsche of reverbs. <laughs> um, they just, they, the unit themselves, its whole purpose in life is to make reverb. And there is a huge amount of processing going on in the thing. Um, I think we've talked about reverbs before, but basically there's all kinds of ways to make reverbs. But one of the things that makes a reverb sound cheap uh, is the tail part of the reverb and its breakup pattern. So when you hear a reverb that doesn't sound great, um, it's generally, if you can't speak to what it is, it's generally... The problem is, is that the tail part of the reverb, as you get down into the noise floor, starts to break up. Um, And there's all kinds of ways to fix that, Um, but really the way to do it is by doing a huge amount of DSP uh, where it has to sit there and make calculations on the tail end of a signal all the way down into the noise floor um it's a it's a big dsp hog it's the reason that reverbs um require so much dsp when especially when we're talking about plugins um but bricasty for me kind of does that the best um so uh that's that those are my reverbs uh we'll talk about other things what are your verbs
1: mine you know for a not God for the hardware units, I've used them all, uh, and I'm I'm like you. I won't go too far back into history, but uh, it's only recently. I think we mentioned it not too long ago that it's only been in recent times that I've felt like in the box reverbs yeah. have gotten, you know, to where I want them to be. So for a long time, when I even though I was using a lot of plugins, particularly on delays and some other things, I would still have the TC 6000. For sure, has stuck around for a while. Uh, the Burcastis when they were released, I don't use them as much as I used to. I say that. They're still in my rigs, but if I do use them, yeah, like for the short one, I'm really into that Studio A preset. I just really like it as like a louderizer yeah, kind that's of great. Too. Yeah, Um And for the longer one, like I think, what is it, Vocal Plate A, I like, Sunset Chamber. I'm sure we could go on and on about which ones we like, but those are some neat ones that I like. Sometimes for me, though, with the Bracasti, it's so organic and real and like super real sounding. Sometimes i like a more spitty, obvious, cool. right verb. Yeah. I'll, sometimes i like a cheaper, grainier sound and that's when I'll go dig. And if I'm not going to use an older unit, I'll go looking through, I'll go to H verb and I'll go to their, um, the uh, there's like a section that's like hardware and I'll go find, you know, something i'll find like the 480 thin plate yeah. or yeah. the large hall or, or some of those or i like man i like and i never use it anymore but i like revive if you're on the avid platform it's like yeah. bright and obvious and sometimes kind of cheap sounding but if you want to and if you have an artist who wants to hear that verb sometimes the more organic ones you can't hear they True. they do what they're supposed to they make this thing but it's like if i need that guy that girl to hear it every night i'll do that so um and I'll tell you what, uh, On when the UA world, I'll use the 140, I'll use the 250. <clears throat> the 480 is unfortunately not available for live rack, but if you're using Apollo's or something like that, you can. Here lately, and I started messing with this during quarantine time, um, I went in and started playing with, they have this one, it's an older reverb offering of theirs, it's super cheesy, called Dream Verb. Okay. Uh, it looks cheesy, it sounds cheesy, and I love it for that very reason. It's cool. very obvious. So, so, so I'll use that. I'm going to forget some of the other things that I use, but um, that's kind of where I, where I go on reverbs. I, I struggle with vocal reverb. I'm not going to lie. Like, I like I hate the low-end buildup, but then I got to be – there's such a fine line between – like, I have some people like, oh, yeah, my, my reverb sends are high past the 400, 500, and they get really good results. Sometimes I feel like vocal reverb in a PA is about as hard as it gets, you know? I
0: think so too. Um, You know, it's funny, recently uh, I did an event where Scoville was there and he's a big proponent of what you just talked about, high passing up and making the send not be the sound of what it's coming from, if that makes sense. So uh, he does a lot of like EQing of the send part of stuff to effects. um, And I get it um i just have had lots of success of choosing the right reverb
1: and then tailoring it
0: and tailoring it and not making it about the send to it like i feel like i i feel and this is just me guys i mean scovo listen you know he gets great results there's no question um i just feel and and listen that where he got that, where he got that from is old. That's old school Beatles technology. That's literally like from Beatles records. That's what, you know, uh, George was doing, um, making those records was back then at Abbey road. That was their secret sauce for their reverbs was EQing the send to the reverb. That was their thing. That's literally where it comes from. Um, but for me, I seem to get better results when it's full bandwidth. Whatever, however, I have the vocal sounding. I want that to impact the front part of the reverb that way, if that makes sense. Um, sure. And I and I seem to get better results that way for me. Um, but I do, and then so that what that requires, though, for me is not just choosing a hall reverb. Like it, it requires very. Specific specific choice of of the reverb itself and also the amount of pre-delay and uh like what you were just talking about the build-up of the low end and all that stuff i'm tailoring i'm working on the reverb side of that rather than the send side but i totally get you the other way too um, but I, I, you know, you mentioned the H verb. I just want to say real quick, I, I forgot the H verb in my list. Um, that is, that's my go-to plug um, verb. And I, I generally, you'll probably see four instances of that in my, uh, super rack.
1: Yeah. That's about how many I have to, particularly because yeah. it's a DSP hog. But, yeah. um, you know, I do, I actually do. Well, then what, what Robert does, I, I go, I do a lot of most of my EQ on the send. The, but the only time, but that's been a, if we go back to analog desk, there was no EQ on the send right. that we put in the live, you know what I'm saying? Like, so. No, I know. And that's
0: probably why I don't do it.
1: To be Right. Honest. And, uh, to be honest, a lot of, t- you know, quick, fast, and in a hurry, I'm going to EQ the return because we both just said, we keep it right in front of us to EQ from the send is, and uh, not that this is some huge task, but I have to go to that page. Yeah. Like I look at my aux. Page, yeah, unless I have to go there. I'll go, so it's just another step, but I'll do stuff with all the bells and whistles we have on my, on you know, consoles these days. I'll often do EQ from the send, and then I'll do like if I have, uh, I've mentioned it before with Bruno as very uh, wild mic technique, it's a very hot mic. I will also DS from the send sometimes. Yeah. Like, I, I'm with you, I'll choose the right, I spend a lot of time with like the. And it's labeled something different everywhere. But where the the high end cutoff, not just the dampening, but the you know all of those things, I'll spend. But sometimes I just need it to get the zing out of there. Yeah. So I'll do that. Same thing with on delay sends. I'll do that. But but there's usually honestly now there's like delay on the send, and then sometimes there's further delay on the turn. Sometimes I don't have to do either of them. Yeah, it just, totally. I'll, it just comes out perfect. You know.
0: I mean, I find. Um... Outside, okay, there's two different kinds of exploration into effects, right? There are the effects specials. Those are, I listen to the song and there's an obvious effect there that has to happen in order for people to identify this as a uh, Linkin Park song, for example, or as an Iron Maiden song. There is a signature delay that everyone knows or a signature reverb that everyone knows. Those are what I deem as effects specials. The other kind of effects, including reverbs, are the I'm creating space in order to make the uh, vocal pop in my mix. Um, And those effects for me tend to be the same from artist to artist. Like literally, you know, I have a preset in H-Verb that um, says pooch vocals. And I literally, that's like where I start almost on every artist. Um, And that's because it's a preset that I've built that just seems to work very well for me for almost every artist. Now, it doesn't mean that I always leave it like that. I'll I'll do some adjusting maybe and make the tail be shorter or longer. Um, But I kind of have a lot of go-to things. Do you have that as well or do you just kind of go from scratch?
1: Uh, 100%. And as usual, how many times on this show have I talked about the notes section of my phone? I mean, I've got like brocasty presets the tc presets i've got all these plug-in probably i could carry those on a key but i just and i kind of don't need them anymore but i oh i have go-tos for sure just because there's certain sounds that i like you know yeah so um, do
0: you have a type of reverb um for vocals that is your favorite
1: yeah it's either for the long let's just talk about the tail one you know what i mean it's usually a brighter plate or it's a plate that I'll just dig around till I find the right one. I don't like. I don't like. Like I love plates, but I don't like it when they're. Again, I like kind of like obvious effects. Like I don't want the super organic dark one on the stuff that I usually do. Now, when I did Nora Jones for a little while, <clears throat> voice is breaking up, going through puberty here right in front of you. <laughs> I, um, when I did Nora Jones, it was great. Then, like the super organic nature of the older sounding plates on the Bercasti was perfect. Until she heard it one day and was like, "Mm, I want it dry. So, here I had like one of the best vocals. (laughs) She wanted that immediate, which good on her, man. She can do whatever she wants. So, uh, yeah, I I have most of the time it's the same. It's the same presets for everything. Forget vocals for everything. No,
0: yeah. I mean, you know, I carry around a a key full of presets for plug-in stuff for sure. And and along with you, I I just know, like, I have favorites like you on any unit. You know, when I walk up to. Um, like if I walked up to a Lexicon 480 today, my go-to would be their halls and yeah. then adjust the pre-delay in like a medium hall. And that is pretty much my starting point, you know, for a, a Lexicon 480. Um,
1: you, you talked about, talk about halls on another one that that's your go-to with reverb, um, uh, halls are, it's usually only on vocals that I will go to. I love the sound of a good hall and it can, it that varies so wildly from, manufacturer to manufacturer but a lot of times halls like you know uh, concert hall vocal hall yeah. some whatever hall on vocal that's a cool sound particularly with a longer pre delay you know let it clear yep. up and let it that's you know what's funny sound.
0: is that you know most people when you think of a hall they think of something that's two second or three second or four second mm-hmm. version of a hall and that is not at all what I use halls for you know halls are my favorite but I shorten them up big time like I will do long pre-delay, like 80 milliseconds, and do a 1.2 second tail yep. um, on on a preset of a haul that was previously huge, like right. a five second haul. I take the the release time of that and scrunch it up to be one point two. And to me, it's a different sound. And I think part of what I'm doing is getting rid of that breakup yep. um, that happens in the tail part of stuff. Um, I don't particularly like if I only use super long reverbs if I'm forced to. Like mm-hmm. if they are the sound of that song or that ballad, then I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll use something, you know. And so generally, like I don't even almost never get past three seconds in a reverb, you know?
1: No, I yeah, me too. And in fact, I, and I'm really bad about. <clears throat> we've talked a lot about how like what e, what EQs look like now that we have the graphic display. If that reverb is in the threes, like three point three, once it gets above, like I'm like I don't think I should do, even though three point three doesn't sound the same on all of them. But no, I have it this, doesn't. But but yeah, like, I know I'm, what you're saying I shouldn't. I shouldn't be that far. But mm-hmm. I, I'm with you. Like I never have a seven second. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Reverb anything like that but um
0: who who's that latin artist that likes the 10 or 12 second reverb going on is, is i that,
1: don't know but i'm gonna guess is it um it's um uh i know you're talking is it the guy that's had like a million monitor engineers yes uh god who is that Ah, uh, but i and, can't his there's name people,
0: there's people out there screaming at us right uh, now
1: there's the 47 guys that have been his monitor <laughs> engineer that are now screaming his name right now <laughs> grand a week by doing it for their two weeks too um i know who you're talking about but i i don't know now is that it, being said it's so not louise really, miguel is it is it Luis miguel i think so actually okay. i think that might be who it. Is. who knows I, I, anyway
0: I the yeah. that makes absolutely no sense to me i mean they're so In case you don't know, there's a Latin artist out there that, um, you know, and famously uh, loves 12 seconds, 14 seconds, 16 seconds of hover time reverb. Uh, So much so that uh, they were doing crazy shit a bunch of years ago. You know, this is like 10 years ago where they were having a reverb send that had speakers pointed back at the stage that was coming from front of house um just crazy crazy stuff so i don't understand how to do any of that i'm literally i get to like three seconds and just go um this is way too long i need to make it shorter
1: yep Um, a a lot of my reverb times to uh we'll move on out of reverbs here but a lot of times my reverb stuff they they're super important at the beginning they're super important i know you're like nope it's part of it it stays it stays it stays and and i want to adhere to that but sometimes my reverbs Will drift lower and lower and lower as the tour okay. goes on. If cool. I just if I just really can't like, sometimes I hear lately too. I would just rather use delays because delays are obvious. You can hear them, but they don't clutter as much. Yeah. But sometimes my reverbs are way more critical. Where if there's I don't know if I'm just under the microscope more early on, or if it's a broadcast thing, or if it's a board tape thing, and then sometimes they kind of creep down as time goes on. Um, and, I totally all, get that. I get that. Yeah, yeah. And all of this too is like there's a big, uh, it depends component. You know what I mean? And it really does. It just depends on who's listening to what extent and what's the environment. And I mean, sometimes, man, I'll mute both reverb returns. Like, I've totally reserved the, the right to do that if it's a super, I don't know, dangerous yeah. scenario where I need every bit of clarity I can. So, my, my sure. reverb stuff, hey, whatever. But I got, you know, like Bruno, he rides me all the time with. Instagram videos or something. It's like, yo, where's the sauce? You know, <laughs> where's the sauce? And a lot of times I can get like sauce is more obviously acquired from a delay. Right. Um, so I totally
0: I know that. what you're saying. I mean, that's a perfect example of an artist, you know, may, he may be meaning something else than what yeah. you're interpreting as. Um, right. right. You know, I'll say this just about reverbs and then we'll move on to some other things. But, um, Reverbs for me are more about creating um, stereo space for the vocal. Um, I'm like you, you know, we're already in an acoustic space, especially if you're on an arena tour. There's already stuff blanking off the walls with all kinds of reflections, already making its own acoustic reverb. So having a vocal be buried in reverb only uh, gets rid of its intelligibility. So, um, for me also reverb is used sparingly, usually shorter and is used kind of for me, almost like, um, I would use a, um, a spreader. I'm using it to make it be bigger in the mix. If that makes sense. Um, not, not as a reverb, let's say, or, I just I don't think of it like, hey, I need to have I need to put this person in an artificial space. That's not what I'm thinking when I put a reverb on something. What I'm thinking is, man, this vocal sounds really great, dry, but it needs something to get it to smear a little bit in the ten and two. And that's what I'm using in that lower part of that reverb. So right. hope
1: that when helps. You yeah, you mentioned not too long ago having your lawyer friend serve as your you know, yes. your sort of metric for how am I doing? <laughs> yes. It's way more important for people to say, for the lay person to say, oh, I could hear every word than for the 20 engineers in the room to go. Yeah. I really heard that reverb tail. Like yeah. who gives a shit? Intelligibility
0: you know I mean? is king, man. Intelligibility is king, especially yeah. when it comes to to vocal. Um, cool. All right. So we got into reverbs. What else are you spearing there on a vocal usually besides yeah. delays and reverbs?
1: Here's a good one. Uh, but actually, before we get to delay, maybe let's hit in terms of like creating excitement and spread. Maybe let's get into modulation okay. or pitch shift or this or that. Because I, uh, I always have pitch shift built into into my session. Sometimes a couple, you know, and I it used to always be an H three thousand, and it's weird. I either love pitch shift or I cannot stand it, in the robot falsity of it, even at the lowest level, just drives me insane. And I can hear it from a million miles away, but I always build it in there because on the right vocalist, it can create that super wow sound. And while it can get weird in the mid-range, like I'm often cutting 400 on the, um, here's another one, on the return, though, on the return of the... Of the pitch shift, I'm often trying to get that row body sound out of there. So it was always an H3000 in the past. Then I started using, I still on occasion will use the Eclipse, which I know doesn't do what the H. I fully admit it doesn't, but it's still got this even tide thing. Uh, and then within plugin world, you know, I I try to get on with the Waves Doubler and whatever the Quadrupler is. I don't even know what it's called. I try to get on with those, but I don't love them. Uh, and I, I will use any number of different, uh, pitch shift things, or I don't often use chorus. Uh, UA has the awesome, the dimension D, the Roland, the old school unit that can do amazing things on guitars and vocals, but I'll always have something like that in there, but I'm careful. Also an overused H 3000 or an overused pitch shift to me is very synonymous with like a nineties metal show. That's Limp trying basket. to.
0: It's got limp biscuit written all over it. Fred er, er, Durst, that, really? that was his sound. Man, was the yeah. overuse of that H three thousand. Yeah, I've
1: heard a of So there were that way. That was there. I mean, yeah. they wanted just as much as that as they wanted the dry. And yeah. I find, even though like I hate too much reverb, there's more play in where a reverb sits than a than a um, a pitch shift algorithm. Like to me, that is the finest of fine lines. So. Uh, I feel like I'm forgetting something, but I'll I'll, I'll kind of leave it at that. Uh, I've highly value them, but it's the first. I don't know. It can oftentimes be the first thing that gets turned off too. Where nowadays, where are you with your? I, th- I know we've talked about like the doubler, and, and this is one. Come on, <laughs> one before we go, you'll more times than not, you look at engineers and any other press stuff. You will see a lot of people that they don't have. They don't have a single piece of hardware anywhere except they'll still have an H three thousand. Yes, you know. So that's, that's a common. Where are you these days with pitch shift stuff?
0: I am. Um, pitch shifting for me is not a normal thing. Mm-hmm. It depends on the vocalist. Um, for instance, I haven't used it for a while. I was using it actually on Chester um, because I felt like it made his vocal be, it spread it out a little bit and it made it be nice. Um, but it's not a normal go-to. Uh, it's not like, oh yeah, that is my my vocal sound uh, per se. When I go there, um, I think it's the it is the kind of the number one thing that's lacking in Waves plugins these days. There isn't. I don't like the doubler. There isn't one that does it well, uh, in my opinion. I mean, there are um, some newer ones. You know, like the uh, the Abbey Road. Um, um
1: I use that ADT. ADT. I use that on Lawrence Welch a lot, and yes. and I'll use it the horns every now and again too. That that's a good one, but it's kind of obvious. It is. It's a different sound. Yeah. yeah.
0: Or on um, purpose. Yeah, on purpose. And I think I think that's what I mean when I'm talking about chorus or pitch shifting in general. It's it's such an obvious thing that it, it has to have a place for it. You know what I mean? Like um it, it's not my normal normal go-to stuff um
1: but- i struggle too with the not struggle but i uh highly value the differences also in with pitch shift aside from like the amount i tell you what to me what's more important than the amount of pitch shift whether it's plus minus six plus two whatever is the delay right Is the delay times like i'll often i will mess with those a lot and sometimes i'll do something where it's not even a pitch shift it's just a like 12 millisecond and a 24 millisecond. It's just, or I'll go to like 30 and 60, or it just creates that spread. Actually, nowadays, to be honest, with you, I like that sound more than I do a pitch shift. Yeah. So just to create space and to make it, I say this all the time on here, to make it sound like you've done something. Yeah. Just creates like a produced sound. So
0: I think that um, that is a, it's a sound in records of today as well. Um, mm. So you know some of this is we're trying to recreate what the artist sounds like on the record. So we're using that tool to get there. Um, but I, I do think in general a tool of when I use these kind of tools, a pitch shift or a chorus or something, I'm using them because I keep the center of the vocal is super dry, and I all I'm doing is spreading the vocal out in the mix and trying to get depth, if that makes sense, depth and width of something that is generally straight up center and is the only thing that occupies that. So when I think about pitch shift and chorusing and that kind of stuff, I want the center part of that it's almost like mid side. Like I want the center part of that to be dry, you know, and the outside part of that to be affected. Um, and, and that's really how I think about pitch shifting and coursing. If I use it.
1: Yep. Yep. Uh, if you remember on another one of these, I mentioned having a width bus Yeah, width bus can also be used to spread, do that what you're saying, that's you know, cool. or you just so, drop that on the reverb itself and, it out to the sides
0: remind everybody like what's on that with bus like what is the effect that's on that bus
1: uh, with buses it, it'll be some sort of it's often done through some sort of it, it's a stereo widener but i prefer to use oftentimes ones that are simply mid-side based where effect- effectively all you're doing is turning up the sides yeah. because it's damaging phase wise you can find some of the other stuff do you are, have
0: do you have a favorite one? Is what I'm asking? Like
1: you- oh, yeah. For me, it's the BrainWorks. It actually comes. They their widener is the same widener in all their plugins, but I often use it from the whatever they're on now. The, God, for years I screwed this up. It's like the VEQ3 or what whatever it is. It's that that's any of the Brainworks wideners kind of operate on the same principle. But I used to use uh I messed with all the different waves ones from whether it was S one to the X split 22 and all that shit. I (laughs) use this old, I still own it. It's this studio technologies, AN two box. It's mono and stereo out and those work on the premise of here's your signal as a whole. It makes comb filters and then spreads them. So you've got different frequencies on each side and it sums to mono because I'm really conscious of how it sums, but that's what I do. I usually use some sort of brain works, uh, brainworks thing to, to do it
0: we we do that as well uh and that's where we kind of differed on a previous video was that i do and I, I think you do this too but i don't have a separate kind of bus for that although i think it's a really great idea and i'm gonna really? steal it from
1: you oh, yes. definitely use it but i by, but usually it's on a return and input uh that you know something like that got it
0: that's cool um what else where should we travel down next in this path
1: let's go to delays okay what those delays are uh yeah
0: what's your favorite so traditionally for me when I first started um you know using stuff it was the TC 2290 that was the thing man uh that was the first uh unit that had tap delay on the front panel of it and um it was the first unit if you had the long chip um it was uh it was the first one that could do long delays well um so i had that for years don't use that anymore um uh, my go to these days is h delay um and uh there's a bunch of options in h delay as far as modulation goes of the repeats um and also a, a, a few you know high pass low pass filtering options that are within the plugin um I can usually get the result that I need from from that unit. Um, how about you?
1: Yeah, uh, early on, I too, I loved the TC, Of course, twenty two ninety. I even liked the little D two. Yeah. Even it would totally fall apart. Yeah. You know that thing would totally fall apart. And then before that, a lot of the Roland stuff, yep. all, all the Roland SDEs, the core, There were so many good delays back in the day. Um, I. It's funny. I actually like. I like the Super Tap. I delay like better. And there's a reason I like it better. I like the way it handles its repeats. I feel like if I set, if I have like a quarter note delay and I want four repeats, I can hear a very even, distinct descent of those. And even though the H delay is kind of a better sounding delay, I struggle with their feedback. I struggle mm-hmm. with where I, yeah, it's just what I do. And I also like the fact. <laughs> i like how, i know you can do ping pong on h delay but i like how you can stagger you can put on the super tap whichever super tap how you can put it on the grid and move it and how you can tailor the low pass on totally, that.
0: i totally get it they yeah. i i love that unit as well i hate the gooey of it like it the it's gooey is just like and it turns me off to using it i get pissed at it and i just go ah, i don't want to use this fucking
1: thing it looks like it should sound like shit like it looks
0: (laughs) like which it doesn't it sounds great and it does some really amazing shit i just for whatever reason when i dug into to it the gui just was like i don't i don't understand what's going on here why is this
1: knob here and you know it it throws me off too now i'll say this with all of the delays whether it's like super short slapback super long special throws you know whatever it might be um I look these days, I go to plugins and have for a long time now for plugins to do those for me, but I will also write in my show file. Like again, let's say on, a, on any desk, but on the Digico, I will also write in the effects racks the same. Cause as you know, when you get, and you've got 50 snapshots with these super specific delay times, if the plugin server takes a shit, I still want to have all those. I know it's easy just to tap them. So I'll write them into my automation even if they're not active. And if I need to in a pinch, I'll, I can switch out and bring those back. I in. do
0: exactly the same thing. I use the DigiCo delays. They're just sitting there. Most of the time I don't use them, but they are there and they are set to the correct millisecond um, choice. Um, yeah. Hey, I want to share a little something that maybe, uh, you know, this is old school figuring out quarter note delay stuff. Um, but... Um, it, it might help you guys. Um, it's something that we used to do back in the day to figure out times for delays. Um, and the the easy way to get a quarter note delay is to use a stopwatch or use your phone that has um, you know um, uh, a uh, stopwatch in it, and you start the stopwatch and you count to eleven in the beats of quarter note. All right. So, starting the stopwatch, one, two, three, four, so on to eleven. Stopping the stopwatch on eleven, and that will give you milliseconds of quarter note delay. Interesting. What is the math on that? I don't know what the math is, but I learned that from um, uh, uh, from Bruce Vadine, and uh, I've never forgotten it. Um, so. And then from there, you can do the math, right? Once you know a quarter note, you can say, okay, I want eighth note or I want, um, you know, I want, uh, you know, three quarter note by, by calculating whatever, whatever it shows up as quarter note, let's say it's 400. The eighth note of that is 200 and the three quarter note of that is 300, right? It's 200 minus and a half This gives you the 100 plus the 100 gives you three. Right. So you can do all the math to figure out exact times, but that's a very quick way to get your milliseconds of quarter note delay is counting to 11 counting in quarter notes. So one, you know, you start the stopwatch on one, you stop it on 11 and that will give you exact milliseconds. I promise you it works.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> one of the first things I'll do with a new gig or a new batch of songs or whatever is if, there, if there's a playback guy or if someone's triggering, uh, or if the drummer has, if it's on a click at all, you know, as I go, uh, and this is more of a, Hey guys, do this. If you're new or whatever, just go right to whoever that is. Just get all the BPMs for all the songs. Just get that. That should be one of those. These days,
0: that's what you can do. You just go to the playback guy and go, yeah, what are they? Come on.
1: Get them and have that. I'll put that in my notes section. I'll have it in my phone. I'll have it on a piece of paper. I'll make sure that I have all all of that written down. Um, something that's really interesting you hear now, if you listen to a lot, it's so funny. Reverb is such a like security blanket. A way to hide, a way to not be exposed for vocalists. And a lot of vocalists, even whatever named today's, you know, Diva De Jour, will probably want a lot of reverb in her ears. But if you listen to records, if you listen to modern records, you don't hear a lot of re- it's there, but it's often bright and low. Yep. You know what I mean? Unless It catches in- the sibilance of
0: their stuff and you hear it in S's and Ts, but you don't hear it as a general kind of no.
1: ad what you will hear though are lots and lots and lots of delays yes. um but they're often you know they're low level and it's funny like you'll and I do this now where I'll have like a lot of times my delays are delay one two three or I'll label them like slap some quarter specials but a lot of times it's like eighth notes quarter notes and you know an eighth note to a quarter note is essentially just an eighth note with a repeat. But for whatever reason, blending an eighth note delay with a quarter note delay is a different sound. It is. And and you'll hear a lot of that on modern productions or you'll hear a lot of times they've got like delays sent to delay. There's a lot of crazy shit. And that is a good way to get an affected sounding vocal without it getting too swimming. Um,
0: And also along with that, what you were just talking about is having similar delays an eighth note delay and a quarter note delay that are eq'd differently so they have you know one of them is kind of telephone e and the other one is maybe more full band that is a way to create depth and hugeness in a vocal and that's what they're doing a lot in records these days if you listen to them it's not just a delay it's a delay that's been eq'd weird you know uh super high pass super low pass um you know that kind of shit.
1: I'm glad you said that telephone thing too, because I was I wanted to make sure I said on here. One area where I will kind of make a discretionary call is if it's a delay, if it's a like you say, a signature sound kind of thing. Like I remember when I saw you the last time, you went in there and you were working with Marin and you had the first song and you were like trying to duplicate the effects on the vocal and you nailed it. And I think it did have like it was like a delay with a some sort of it was, a, it of was a delayed
0: reverb, basically. It was like, you know. Uh, so it was uh, a delay and then a send from the delay, so the repeat was the first reverb, not not the main vocal having the reverb, if that makes got
1: sense. Got it, got it, got it. But in, it was a sound. It was a it was it was-
0: signature sound of that song, absolutely. The producer built that as this is what the vocal should sound like.
1: Yep. Sometimes, depending on who the act is, if it absolutely has to be like if it's super distorted, if it's super distorted and that has to be it, I'll do that. Um, but sometimes it might be just, and, and this is not to be lazy, but it might suffice for just the delay to be heard. Yes. You know, what I mean, and if it's somewhere, someone where no one's looking at me to make, to add that extra bit of flavor on it, I just won't put it on there. You know, I'll make sure that just the delay is heard because truly what everyone knows is the delay. Totally. good And there's reasons with that too. Like if I put it in a, uh, a plugin slot somewhere, it means I've got a delay, like the way I would often do it would be to have a delay followed by whatever's making that whatever. Well, I've got to like turn that on for that one, then make sure it's off on all the others. So it's just like a housekeeping thing that I won't do. So that's one of those where I have to really listen and go, how truly important is that element of the effect? You know, and again, it goes back to who's listening and, and does it, you know, so that's, that's one. That's something I thought I needed to throw out there. I'm glad you said the thing about, I will always, or usually, but pretty much always throw my delays back into the verb by the, just as a yeah. housekeeping measure. Well, you know?
0: and, and that is um, about intelligibility, right? The more that you can get effects away from your direct sound, in my opinion, the better the intelligibility of the main direct vocal comes through and still allowing for the tail end of, of effects to be there. Um, yep. so I'll
1: think, yes, here's a funny one. Cause was, we're kind of getting near the end of delays. I'll do things like if I do have that return fader, um, and I do on occasion kind of reserve the right to throw, if I'm going to play off of him or her yep. notice that for instance, uh, my, what seems to be a comfortable throw for me at the top of my hand is not zero. It's often negative five. So I'll gain that gain channel. It so
0: that it goes so to the right spot. It's yes.
1: zero, you know, just stupid little stuff like that. It's just knowing where you are. And I'll often put little tape marks on my, I still have tape all over my console that it's like, no, that's the mark I hit. If I'm going to throw, Yeah, <laughs> um, that's awesome. I love it. And outside of these things, outside of delays, like every now and again, I mentioned using that like dimension D, which is like a chorus thing. I sometimes will often have like a J 37 plugin or something that yeah. with, and it's just a thing on the side. And I realize it's getting phasey and getting weird with, but I don't give a shit. It just makes it wider and does a thing. Like sometimes I'll have that kind of stuff too. Yeah. Um, when it, when it comes to these effects, is there anything else outside of conventional thinking that you do effects wise? No, I mean, you know, uh,
0: I am in general when we speak about effects, I am I'm am probably a lot l- less usage than maybe some other guys are. I try to sneak I'm like you, man. When I'm in rehearsals and everybody's doing critical listening, I'm making effects big and bold, just like the record. Uh, and then I start to, I find myself like three weeks into the tour, like sneaking them back a little bit just because it gives you better intelligibility and better overall, um, you know, it's the argument that artists have by listening to a board mix and saying, hey, you know, how come my vocal doesn't have enough sauce on it? Um, is because they're not in front of or are, they aren't in the room that you are out front of the speakers and getting bombarded with the reflections that are happening off of the hockey dasher um, th- where a, a an effect doesn't make sense anymore. All it is is just muddling it more than making it sound like the record, if you know what I mean. So. You you listen to my board mixes and you will discover that um, a lot of stuff is probably drier than you think it is, um, and I, I think I think effects are important and they make create space and they and certainly you want to be able to spread your vocal out within your mix and all those kind of things those effects generally stay there but um, anything that I feel like is going to cloud a vocal I, I'm pretty hard at working turning it down <laughs> if yeah, that makes sense. Totally.
1: Now, here's something we shouldn't get out of here without mentioning uh, is tune, is tuning vocals. I I can tell you I I never have, just like on my own, I have taken receipt of a tuned vocal, and it's often like a purposeful, super tuned vocal for an effect that a lot of times is coming back from like the playback guy. Um, I have taken that. I have also taken only on one occasion i don't mean like one day but just for a period of time i had an artist where they were like without telling the artist they were going to tune him send it back to me and i'm like okay okay and on a taping of live tv in new york next to NBC, he literally pops in the air out and goes what is that and i'm like oh, oh shit, it's going down now and that was the end of autotune for that so i don't usually tune a vocal um, for a couple of reasons. One, it's scary because, should it go awry, it's super dangerous. I know you're just chomping at the bit to, to, to speak on this one because no, this is I a mean, big one. Just, uh, you know. All, no, no, no. Also, if the person's in front of the PA, it might catch on to any number of sounds and shift to that. Um, God forbid you're in a really bad you know, situation and it does go a little awry, but you just quite honestly are fighting just to get through the show. And then that board mix goes back and it's how the fuck didn't you hear that? There's a lot of things that can go weird with it. Uh, also with uh, referencing Bruno yet again, just because he's my most consistent, prominent client now. Uh, and this was explained to me. You can't run like static auto-tune on some people like him because he's actually between notes, but consistently between notes and that's the charm now it's not like i can go in with melodyne and fix it with respect to itself so i don't often use it i'm very inclined and i've seen people get bitten by it i am more inclined as of late to use it because i'll tell you this there's a lot of times there's super obvious auto tune then there's like people do know how to do tune tastefully now and i'll listen to old records or old mixes or this and that and i'm like what is it i don't like about the vocal and i hate to say this it's just it's that it's not tuned And so even if you have an artist that's murdering it, you've got the perfect effects, you've got the perfect mic and everything, and they're pitch correct, it still doesn't have that. And that's where a lot of times artists also can't tell you what they're not digging about the vocal, and it's that it doesn't have that. So that's all my kind of saying, I want to do it more, but there's so many pitfalls involved with it. What about you?
0: Uh, it certainly is dangerous, and it has happened to me a couple of times. You know where I've been busted. Um, um, okay, so let me just tell you that the technology for it has come leaps and bounds in Very the true. last eight years. Um, you know, Auto Tune one and two and three <laughs> were were good but really kind of like not designed to be used live at all. I mean they were designed to, you know, maybe record it to a separate track and then, you know, decide what notes to tune and what notes not to and used in an editing kind of a way, but nobody was really making something that tracked well live. Um then AutoTune came out with AutoTune Live um and I used that for a bunch of artists. Um it's it is a sound it is just like uh you know what you just described where sometimes the artist will listen to it and be like i don't know there's something missing and what they're missing is what they used to make the record which was autotune okay yep. um nowadays come forward now to 2020 Um, You know, like Waves Tune and the latest version of Auto Tune have settings in them that are super subtle. They can be the T-Pain version, or in my case, Travis Scott. They can be that if you want that. But they also have these settings in them that are so super subtle that all they're really doing is maybe just grabbing something right at the end of a note and kind of just giving them a lift of a vocal. Um, you know, that's maybe a vocalist gets tired and he and he sings a little bit flat. Um, this it it does help, and it's a sound of today that you can't get by using a delay or a reverb or a, you know, whatever it's, there's a tone to it. That is just, it's that, um, now having said all that, do I use it often? No, I, it's, there's too many pitfalls to it. And by the way, when I am using it or forced to use it in almost all cases, I try to force it onto the playback guy or somebody else that sorry, playback guys. But, um, uh, somebody else that can watch it and make sure that it's functioning and be focused on only it. I have way too much stuff going on at front of house to be the guy that is like focused on the, the, uh, the auto tune, you know, I've done it that way. I, I've worked with many artists where I have auto tune at front of house and I'm doing it, u- using it that way. But, in general, I would prefer that there's somebody else watching it, making sure that it's working properly and can disengage it when it's not working properly
1: or um, when the audible gets thrown Yes, and you're not on time code or you're not, they don't catch yet. Yeah, that's the big one, you know, or between songs or totally, but it would, it becomes your job, you know, yes. to watch. but it is, it is the sound of today. And that's it why is. I'm-
0: and uh, you know, I mean it, um, I think more and more people are doing what I just said, making you know the playback guy. That's his job as well as making sure that the auto tune works. Um, but but I've done it, you know. I've done it in front of house. It can be done. Um, and um, if I'm not able to get a vocal sounding the way that I want it to, with using delay effects and whatever, that's often what I think about. That's like the net. My next go-to if someone is still like yeah the vocal's cool but it's not really there my next go-to in my bag of tricks is okay maybe we should start tuning this vocal because i bet that's what they're wanting um yeah so yeah auto tune um i used it early on um uh with a, a couple of artists um that uh it was dangerous and the latency of it was really long. And uh, you know, there were probably, there were a couple of times where it kind of went awry and I had to like pop it out of the insert and um, you know, uh, but in general it, it helped. And they were, uh, it was two artists. Um, One of them was a guy that just ran everywhere on the stage. And so would literally get tired and would start to sing flat. Um, yep. And it wasn't that he wasn't an amazing singer. He was. It was that he just, during his live performance, would just run out of air and start singing flat. And the auto tune would kind of just give him a, a little nudge to help. Um, so, yeah, that's my mm-hmm. auto tune. Um, we're getting towards the end here. Is there any last little thing I'm you not want to trying, talk about? Try,
1: well, I'm trying to think of what I'm going to remember when we get off. I want to say. You know what? I think that's probably a safe place to land with. Okay, it. cool. Um, yeah.
0: And and you know, like again, we keep saying we're probably going to circle back around with a bunch of these anyway. You know, we always we always get to the end of an hour. You know, this one's gone long. It's an hour and fifteen minutes right now. But um, uh, we hope you guys are getting a bunches out of this. Um, you know, we're just here t- chatting about audio, and we hope uh, you know it's a it's just an honest kind of uh, organic place uh to chat about audio not everything we say uh is is something that you should do (laughs) Uh, but uh we're hoping that you you know you get something out of it and uh maybe use a a tool or two that we can impart on you um so uh hope you guys enjoy it Uh, see you on the next one
1: see you everybody